Welcome back to another episode of Drew and Co. Unplugged. This is another episode featuring Zach diving directly into the college football scene. A lot of exciting things happened this past week, week seven. Looking forward to the big week eight coming up, Ohio State versus Penn State. I know I didn't get a regular weekly episode in last week. I was doing a lot of traveling, so I was lucky to be able to get the episode with Zach last week. This week, we'll be back on normal schedule. Please enjoy, and I love, love, love hearing that feedback from you guys. All I got to say is let's get ready to talk college football. Well, hello, sir. What's up? Oh, you know, just the ins and outs of everyday life. (laughs) I love it, man. You caught me, you caught me while I was uh, cooking dinner. I was Chopping up some sweet potatoes, getting ready There's for dinner. There's your first mistake. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. We uh, we just started doing the. Uh, we got a, a a good discount on HelloFresh, so we uh, tried to get, order a couple of boxes of those just to you know eat healthier and uh, all that fun stuff. So I'm making a healthy dinner. I got my workout in, and uh, yeah, ready to do some podcasting. Hell yeah, man. I was, uh, shoot, we did HelloFresh for like a year and then COVID hit and every recipe was like how they had 40 recipes that went down to like 15 a week and it was all pork. And I'm like, all right, like <laughs> I don't mind pork, but damn. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't did it in a long time, but they always did have some pretty decent options and it does make it super convenient because everything's right there and it takes, you know, 30, 45 minutes max to do everything and you're not tearing apart your entire kitchen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's super nice. We, uh, to be honest, we only did it cause we got like hefty, hefty discounts. Like it was like, you know, they'll send us a mailer and it'll say like, you know, $60 off of your next box and then we'll ignore it. And then the next order, next mailer comes, it's like $70 off your next box. We're like, if we just keep waiting this thing out, Eventually, they're just starting to get, and that's how it went. Like weeks and weeks and weeks went on, and eventually, it's like $125 off your next, <laughs> you know, your next couple orders or whatever. So we just kept wait, running the discounts up and uh, finally decided to use it. So, hey, nothing wrong with that. I mean, <laughs> shoot, I cook one meal. It takes like an, I'm pretty sure dinner on average probably takes me like an hour to cook. And, I destroy the kitchen every time, yeah. every single time. It doesn't matter because I'm like really into making complex sauce, sauces, oh I guess. So like I'm breaking out, you know, my blender and messing with the different textures in my sauce and trying to get that really silky, smooth texture with no, you know, so I'm going through different straining and stuff like that, double strainers, <laughs> and it's a little extra, but I mean, it works for me. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, so let's uh, jump right in. Uh, college football actually kicked off on a Thursday this week, or well, last week. Sorry, I keep thinking it's Sunday because we're recording. <laughs> um so it kicked off on Thursday with 
Colorado. Uh, oh. Shoot, who did they? They played uh, Stanford, who was one and four, I believe, going into that game. And I watched the first half, and Colorado looked as they should against Stanford, twenty nine nothing. Shadur Sanders was throwing all over the field. Colorado was just putting it on them. And I went to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine my surprise when I'm at the gym the next morning and I'm in between a set and I load Facebook and I'm like, Colorado loses in double overtime? What? Yeah, I I didn't watch it. Um, I mean, I didn't watch a single minute of it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I woke up to the news, you know, probably more surprised. Uh, I, well, I'm probably less surprised than most people. Cause everybody else, like, like you said, a lot of people I heard, you know, went to bed at halftime and then woke up and saw it. I guess I was kind of oblivious, uh, to, to the whole thing. But I mean, I, I was surprised. I mean, you know, Stanford's not, not a great team. Just looked like a total meltdown by Colorado in the, uh, in the second half. So yeah, not a good look. I mean, it, it's almost like, you know, Colorado got off to that amazing start and then now they're kind of coming back down to earth and, um, you know, starting to look like the team that maybe we all expected them to, to look like at the beginning of the year before we saw that TCU game. So yeah, at this pace it is, it's looking like they're more of a 500 team than, uh, you know, than maybe we thought the first couple weeks, but well, I think they're, and, they're getting, getting a dose of the humble pie. Oh, 100%. Which I love it. <laughs> and just because of the way the media <laughs> has been pushing them. And we did yeah. talk about this week one, week two, that Colorado, I said it at one point. I said Colorado is going to drop a game to a team that they should not lose to. And yeah. that was this week. They, they dropped a game. And, Everybody's saying, oh, it's all on the players. I don't care who you are. That is 1,000% on the coaching. Up 29 to nothing, you could sit in four quarters. You could sit in cover four. You could sit in cover two deep all night long, the rest of the second half, and just run the ball. And the odds are heavily in your favor of winning the game still. But looking back at some of those highlight plays, like that 97-yard touchdown they gave up, they were in almost cover zero. So that yeah. uh, Stanford's got the ball in the three-yard line. They're in straight man with one high safety. And the safety is basically on the long side of the field, right? So the pass went to the short side of the field. But – He's on the long side of the field, and he's all the way into where he's playing the run, essentially. I mean, he might as well have been, like, maybe a yard and a half, two yards back from the outside linebacker. And sure enough, the guy beats his man, and they're just – their team is not good enough to play that style of defense. They need to be sit- yeah. they need to be sitting in zones and keeping everything in front and holding people to field goals and relying on their offense to win them those games. Yeah, that's that's not like you said. That's not what you uh, what you want to be doing when you're up, you know, twenty nine nothing or or whatever the heck it was at that at that point. I mean, like you said, at, at that point in the game, you know, you're not trying to you're not trying to man up and 
and, um, you know, be super aggressive. It's quite the opposite. You just got to guard that lead, you know, keep everything in front, um, run the ball on offense, like you said, keep the clock moving. And, um, yeah, that specific touchdown, you said, I know uh, old primetime was very upset with his corner because, you know, basically the the dude just got ate up by the turf monster. And, uh, you know, off, like you said, off he went for, you know, the receiver went for 98 yards. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, that that's, you know, those things why are going to Why put happen. them on the island? Why put, no... that, why put that defensive back in that situation in the first place, you know? So, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that one. So, sure, the guy fell down. But, yeah, I mean, the coaching staff put him in a bad position, too. So, And, again, yes, there is some that's on the players, right? They're the ones that's playing defense. But I noticed a couple of the scoring plays that Stanford had the defense essentially just gave up. Like, they just let them jog right in, essentially. I mean, obviously, they were running. And, you know, I thought to myself, and like I said, one of their receivers, his last name is Weaver, and they always say Weaver the receiver, and it cracks me up. All the commentators say that. He literally, when I say he tauntingly jogged into the end zone on a touchdown – like, he almost walked. That's how, like, I don't know what you would say. To me, it was very disrespectful the way that, you know what I mean? You're doing that like, oh, yeah. we're way above you. You're too small. And when he did that, I was like, man, if Stanford was not so bad, they would 100% regret this play. So when I woke up, Right, and I'm at, and I see, and I finally open up Facebook, and I see that I'm like, "Oh my gosh, karma is a bitch." <laughs> oh boy. And and Dion had talked about after the game. He talked about how he's like, "Oh well, these kids need to really love the game. I love this game, yada yada yada," and like. I think that's one of those key differences that you see from coaches, like traditional coaches, right? So like your traditional football coach, whether it's at the D1 college level or pro level, they probably never played. More than likely, if they did, their last game was probably at some low-level, insignificant type of game, right? Like, think about, yeah. like, Ryan Day, for example. I'm pretty sure he didn't play college football. Maybe he did, and I just didn't know it, but, uh, he, you know. He did. It was just like a – it, it was like a – I think it was like a D2 school or something, though. Right, like New, so – New Hampshire State or something weird. Yeah. Insignificant. So, when you yeah, think about yeah, that, or, like, even, like, Andy Reid in the NFL, or, like, most of these NFL coaches, if they play, they might have played, like, D2 college, D3 college. Occasionally, you get somebody that might have played like a year or so if you want. But most of these guys aren't ex-Hall of Fame players like Deion Sanders. And that's the big difference between being a coach and being a player. When he gets up there and he says, I love this game. I don't know if they love this game. They got to love this game. And it's like, dude, like, it's not, it's not about you anymore. That's the part that gets me with him because obviously he's always been flashy He's always been – some people say uh, exuberate confidence. Other people say it's cockiness, whatever you want to call it. But after the game, he essentially just put all the blame on the players and a little bit on the defensive coordinator. 
and everybody say like as the head coach it's your job to take over in that state like i'm pretty sure if ohio state was in a similar situation i'm pretty sure ryan day would take over at some point as the head coach and be like hey this is what we're doing maybe i'm wrong but it's like you're giving up 46 points and a half granted yes double overtime but essentially you're giving up 46 points and a half and two possessions. That's what it is. And, and that's at the end of the day, that's where it comes into, that's that coaching experience that he just doesn't have yet. He'll get it. Um, And that's just, that's game game management, right? He's flashy. He wants to still run man to man defense when he doesn't have the talent to do it yet. Cause that's like, even um, like Travis Hunter, and I don't know if he was ready to come back yet from his injury because he came back in the game. He did get his first touchdown of the season. I think he ended up with two touchdowns. Um, and But on defense, he did not look good. He might have had – I think he had one pass breakup, but overall he was getting beat constantly. And it makes me reevaluate, was he – like did Colorado just start off like really hot, like you were talking about, and with all the hype around them, did that like bolster them into this territory that's not sustainable, or or are they just that? Were they are they actually you know? I think the capability is there of being a. Um, I don't want. To, they're definitely. They're not anywhere near a, a double digit win team. They're not a ten win team. But, you know, I figured they might be like a seven or eight win team. Potentially, they have that potential probably. But right now, if you actually look at their remaining schedule, they're going to be lucky to be bowl eligible. Which is crazy to think because now they're sitting at four and three. Yeah. And so because they still have, let's see. Oh, I looked this up before, too. I don't know why I didn't remember it. So they still have to play UCLA, Oregon State, Uh, Washington, Arizona, Washington State, and Utah. They don't have to play Utah. Uh, Okay, okay. Still, And, I mean, Arizona gave USC every, every bit of it and then some. So, it's... I mean, they gotta they gotta win two more games, and right now, three of those five, three of their remaining five games, those teams are in the top twenty-five. That's tough for tough. you know for for them and what they're they're trying to achieve. And I, I'd like to see them be bowl eligible, but you know what I found strange, and I don't know if you've seen this, um, and I don't know if this is how this works with the bowls. I thought a lot of the bowls are predetermined, like. The Rose Bowl is typically the the best at large Big Ten team that doesn't make the playoffs, and the best at large um, Pac-12 team. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Well, I saw one of the bowl games, and I don't know if it was the Peach Bowl. I think it was the Peach Bowl, and they were just basically they came out and said, "Oh, we want." Okay, Siri on my watch. Mm-hmm. Um they said that they want Colorado to play in the peach ball. And it's like, well, how can you, 
I don't know how that works. I don't know if they're just saying that in general because of like what Dion's creating over there and all the media hype. And obviously he's generated a lot of revenue for the school, which is excellent and good for them on that aspect. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, like a lot of these bowl games are predetermined, right? In terms of like this, a team from this conference will play based on such and such, or is it kind of like outside of those few that are, locked in like the Rose Bowl, is it kind of just whatever? I, I I mean, I was like you. I was really – I was only aware of, yeah, maybe just a couple, right? Like I, I was aware of, like you said, the Rose Bowl, um, how they do it. But I, to be honest, even other than that one, I'm not sure – I'm not sure how it works. I mean, I, I don't think um, – I don't know. I, I don't know how that works with with the other with the other bowl games. If it's like you know, like maybe the second best, you know, uh, the, the runner up to the Big Twelve and the runner up to the ACC playing this game. I don't know. Like I said, the the Rose Bowl is the only one that I was aware of. I'm not sure. Off to off to research that. I just thought it was weird that you have like a a bowl committee essentially like trying to peg their horse already to a team that's not even bowl eligible. So I was like, well, this is kind of, I don't know, just from the outside standpoint, when you have as much like Vegas involvement in sports now, it just, it's not a good look. Right. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I'm, I'm going to do some research on that. Um, do you have any additional thoughts on uh, Colorado? No, nah, no, nah, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you mean you want to talk about Ohio State now? Um, we can talk about the other big games real quick too, if you want. I mean, you know, okay. Oregon U Dub. Um, oh man, what what did you think of that game? I mean, I think that was everything that we all expected, right? Like, I mean, that was it came down, you know, came down to who had the ball last, sort of thing. I mean, I think that's what everyone was expecting. Um, like you said, man, I, I I would say that. You know, Washington being at home probably, you know, was a was might have been the difference maker, might have been the, you know, the, uh, you know, the step that they needed. But I will say too, man, Dan Lanning, the the nuts on that guy, right? To, uh, you know, go for it on fourth down uh, midfield to, you know, try to win the game. I mean, that's one of those decisions, man. Like if you, you know, you get it, and everybody's saying, "Oh my God, that's just brilliant! What a." What an amazing mm-hmm. call, you know. What a gutsy coach, man. I just love it. That's one of those, you know, you're either going to be a, a hero or a zero type of calls. And, um, you know, he Live probably – Live and die by the sword, my friend. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he could have he cost his team the game. You know, I don't know. I mean, they would have – if they would have punted, you know, pinned Washington deep, you know, they still would have had a minute 30. And I, I think they still had a timeout or two. I can't remember exactly. But, you know – No, they, they had – bro, they had – two minutes and like 48 seconds when they got the ball they had a lot of time yeah Yeah. they almost had three minutes i don't think honestly and sorry to cut you off yeah you're good i ten thousand percent support going for it go for the win get the win because at the time washington only had one timeout because they were they were they uh what was it third down i think they threw the ball oregon did and it was an incomplete so it didn't it stopped the clock? So they didn't have to burn the third time out. Um, but yeah, like you said, the dudes, huevos are 
Grande, and I I am I'm pro go for it anytime. I mean, even unless like obviously it's like fourth and like fifteen or sixteen, and you don't need to go for it. But if you're talking fourth and four or less, there's actually a lot of uh, analytics that support going for it. And those types of situations where they were located on the field, because I mean, where they were located out on the field, odds are if they punt it, it's going to be a touchback anyways. Yeah, so, I see that. I see that. I, I mean, to me, I'm probably with you. Like, um, I, I guess I would have been more in favor of them going for it had they been, you know, maybe deep into Washington territory or something. You know, maybe in the red zone. Like, you know, hell with it, go for it because either you get it and you win the game, or if not, you at least force them to have to drive the length of the field. Um, so to me, I mean, if I'm making that call, I, I would have punted it. Um, but, you know, you know, like I said, depending on field position, you know, I would have punted it there just because, you know, they were right. I don't They were like near the 50 yard line, maybe like the 45 or whatever it was. So, yeah. I think it was something like that. 43 I would have played, played the field position there um, and, you know, let your defense go to work. Cause I mean, Oregon's defense is, you know, pretty but good, if you think but, about uh, it, I think that also – I think his decision had a factor on his defense. I don't think at yeah. that point in the game he was trusting his defense because at that right. point in the game, Penix was moving the ball like crazy, and, and he looked fantastic. And, yeah, I just – I think that – I think Dan Lanning at that point in the game – he felt like his defense wasn't going to be able to win it for him. And technically, he was right. He just didn't know that his kicker wasn't going to be able to win it either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. You want to talk about a job that I would not want in collegiate or professional sports, dude. I would not want to be a kicker. You got to go out there (laughs) after being sitting on the sideline for who knows how long and literally – you got to you've got all the pressure in the world on you and god forbid you miss you're going to get death threats like <laughs> people are going to threaten to kill your family because you missed a field goal despite yeah. all of the other bs that happens in a game that's all that gets talked about is that fourth down play and the field goal hey man it's it, it's a tough life of a kicker man you know that's that's our life that's our life i was I was a I was a big time kicker for a whopping one year in high school, man. <laughs> I mean, I I feel it. I feel it. Hey, you had some. Uh, you had. A, I'm pretty sure there was against Eastern. You had a couple, two or three field goals against them. So, I scored. I scored 11 points against Eastern. I think I had. Yeah. Like, two yeah, extra points and three like, field goals. That's what that I is. Had like, yeah, I had. A, I had a couple field goals plus a bunch of extra points. Fun fact, too, I was going into our third game of the season. Um, I was our, our leading scorer on the team because our first game, we <laughs> lost four, like we lost like 40-something to three. So, obviously, those three <laughs> points came for me. The next game, we get shut out like 40-something to nothing. And so, here we are going into the third game of the season. And uh, season uh, this guy, team's leading scorer. So, yeah. Southern football. <laughs> That's how bad our team was. (laughs) Oh, man, that's funny. Um, Now, another thing, I don't – I mean, man, that last drive that Washington had, those two big plays, that 
I think it was the first big play, the first catch that was down the left sideline. I'm pretty sure my mouth was wide open when he caught that ball because it was an amazing catch in traffic because it was like double covered. And the ball, literally the way it was placed, only the receiver could get it. And he high pointed it. And it was just, I mean, I, it was mayhem to me. That last drive that Washington had, I can only imagine the Washington fans were probably just losing their minds. That, that receiver is a freak too, man. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I think this is just just because of how late all their games have been, you know, here on the East Coast. I, I just really hadn't got to watch Washington play yet. And that um, that receiver, uh, Dunze or whatever it is, man, he is good, good. I mean, I was really impressed with him for sure. And then, so, do you have anything else on uh, UW Oregon? Not, nah, we good. Okay, just wanted to check. Um, USC gets absolutely just piss pounded by Notre yeah. Dame. I mean, yeah. I loved every bit of that. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I was, I, I was kind of expecting. I'll be honest. I was expecting Notre Dame to win. I really was. Um, I, Same. I, didn't think it, I, I didn't think it would be as big of a blowout as it was. Um, I mean, I, I, I thought I thought they might win by a field goal type of situation, you know, kind of a shootout. But, um, yeah, that just goes to, show, you know, 48-20. That just goes to show how bad USC's defense is. It's so bad. I, I, I mean, we knew it was going to catch up with them at some point. You know, we've talked about it. Um Probably it's very likely, you know, Williams had three interceptions. I mean, that game alone right there, you know, regardless of how the rest of the season shakes out, I mean, to me, they're probably going to lose at least another game or two. Um, yeah, he probably lost the Heisman. I, 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 would, I, would guess he, I would guess he lost the Heisman right there for sure, which, you know, for us Buckeye fans is, is wonderful because, you know, yes. we, want Archie, we want Archie to stay the only two-time winner. So, um, you know, I'm, I was pretty pleased with that as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And then uh, here is another one that uh, I guess this isn't really breaking news at this point, but so Georgia, right? They played Vanderbilt. The scoreboard doesn't tell the story there. Yes, they won by 17, but it was close all the way through the beginning of the fourth quarter. It was like a one score game and then Georgia scored uh, I think it was 10 straight points um, in the fourth. Like, they scored a late touchdown because it was uh, 30 to 20, and then they scored a late touchdown. Like, right, I'm talking less than three minutes left in the game to go up 37 to 20. So, Georgia struggled with Vandy, and the big news with that, Brock Bowers had tightrope surgery on his ankle, and he's out the next six weeks. I'd never even heard of that. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know what it is. Surgery. I don't know what that is either. I think they just made that up, but um, not good for Georgia. I mean, obviously, you know, their schedule, you know, up to now has been very, uh, you know, very easy. And, um, you know, to lose your best player, I mean, all of a sudden those, you know, the five games they got left, you know, I, you were thinking that, yeah, they might struggle a little bit, but they're probably going to roll. But, 
man, I mean, how how many games, you know, the what, that Auburn game? I mean, he um, – He single-handedly – He single-handedly put that game away for him. And, you know, all of a sudden, um, you know, I, to be honest, from what I've read, if Brock Bowers plays – um, the rest of the regular season, I'd be surprised. I, I think. Um, oh, I don't think he does. They're, you know, they're saying that's an easy four to six week injury, um, and they've only got five games left. So, I'd be surprised. You know, maybe. And then even then, like, right? Like, does he? You know. Well, there's only risk? six weeks left in their season, really. Right. I mean, right, yeah, right. they got a bye week in there, but. Yeah. And then, I mean, I would certainly think if they make the playoffs that you know he would come back and and try to play, but. Um, you know, is it is it risky? I don't know. But, you know, all of a sudden, these last few games for them, Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, those games look a lot more uh, a lot a lot more losable. Right. It looks uh, a lot tougher without their best player. So I don't know. I, I mean, if See, you're giving up, I think you're giving up 20 points to Vandy, 20 points to Auburn, 21 to UAB. You know, you only beat South Carolina by 10. Like, you know, you've struggled with some really bad teams all of a sudden, you know, with Brock Bowers. So I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? When I look at the game that I would honestly, if I were them, be most concerned about, I wouldn't really be. Florida's not good. I I think they can run the ball and beat Florida. Um, Missouri. I think Missouri's like. They're playing – I mean, I'm not saying they're an outstanding team, but every team that they're playing that's in the top 25, they're playing them extremely tough. And Missouri just absolutely blitzed Kentucky this past week. So, Kentucky went from undefeated to getting piss-pounded by Georgia, piss-pounded by Missouri. Um, I The SEC this year, it's just weird. It's a weird year, man. Like yeah. – we're used to at least seeing an Alabama or a Georgia or both of them being elite teams year after yeah. year. And the drop from – and I know Georgia lost a lot of players last year. But, I mean, all the elite teams lose a lot of players almost every year. That's just the way it is. But they're – I'm not saying they won't make it out undefeated but i think it got a lot harder because brock bowers in several games like you said has single-handedly with one-handed catches that are not good throws saved them uh and their quarterback play is not great uh they don't run the ball very well this year for some reason their defense isn't as elite as it has been in the past so i think they're very exposed and uh they have to. I'm pretty sure they have to go to Tennessee. I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah, uh, and that's a tough environment to play in. Ole Miss is still, you know, up in the top 15, so that's another tough team to play. Um, there's a good chance that they they might drop a game. Now, granted, they'll probably still come out of the. Uh, what are they? Are they in the West or the East? Uh, I don't East. Know. East. Okay, they're in the East, so yeah. There's probably still a good chance they come out of the East, I would say. But you could yeah. very well see them. And I, I mean, I'd, I'd like to say maybe Alabama makes it to the SEC championship game, but at this rate, I have no idea. Because, I mean, they, when you say they scraped by last week, I mean, 
they scraped by by the skin of their teeth. And yep. they played Arkansas is horrible. I mean, they're two and five. Yeah. They're they're awful. And yeah. it's just it's it's such a weird year. It's a weird year. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, like 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 we've been saying for uh you know, for a couple weeks now, man, this thing is as wide open as I've ever seen it, you know, since the uh, since the playoffs started. Like you said, there's just not those dominant teams at the top. Like Georgia's beatable. Michigan's beatable. Ohio State's beatable. I'll be, you know, Florida State, Penn State, Oregon, Washington. There's just no team that's just, you know, like I'll, I'll be honest, like looking at last year with Georgia, even though they struggled at times, you know, I, I you just knew like they're. I didn't want to say unbeatable, but the odds of beating them were very, very, very low. And it's just not like that this year, right? I mean, there's just uh, mm-hmm. there's just not as big of a gap between, you know, these elite teams and, and um, you know, maybe these second-tier teams like there has been. And like I said, I think, that, you know, the transfer portal has a lot to do with that, man. Like this, uh, you know, this, the competition is just – Well, you don't have – you, you don't have all these, you know, four, five, six, seven teams – at the top hogging all this elite talent because, you know, those guys that go to Georgia and Alabama and, you know, Florida state that, you know, they don't want to sit and wait anymore. They're, they're not, it's not worth it. To they don't have they to. Go, That's the key. They can go. Yeah. They can go to one of these, you know, say tier two, tier three schools, like a, I don't know, like a UNC, a UCLA, uh, you know, teams like that and play immediately. And um, so the talent is just so much more spread out than it used to be. And, um, you know, I think that's gonna, that's how it's going to be moving forward. I just don't I, – I think those days of, you know, Bama and, and Ohio State and Clemson, you know, running the show every year, I think those days are over. And, um, you know, like I said, with the, you know, the portal and the conference alignment and stuff, I, I think it's it's just going to continue to get worse. It's just going to be more and more like the NFL, to be honest. So. Well, and especially with the expansion to 12-team playoff. I mean oh, – yeah, yeah. Might as well call it the NCAA tournament at that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, it really like yep. it when you. Some people will say, "Oh, well, you know, that's a true test of a team." It's really not. Let's be real here. Like SDSU, Aztecs, right? Love them. Support my hometown, or yeah, I guess it's my hometown. So I live in San Diego. Hometown <laughs> team. You know, they made it to the national championship last year. They had no business being there. Absolutely no business being there, but they got a couple of things right at the right time, and it just worked out for them. Whereas, like, you know, you've got, I think, with the 12-team playoff, and I don't want to harp on it because I know we bring it up every week, is you with 12-team playoff, you lose the incentive to schedule tough games. What's the point? If you can – and I think – Georgia and Alabama, especially Alabama, they've already figured that recipe out for the 14 playoff. They say, well, I schedule tough games. If we just went all of our games, then we make it. So that's all we got to do. And they did that for years where they didn't schedule any tough out-of-conference games, and they would just win their conference, and then they would go to the playoffs fresh. Meanwhile, you know, you've got all these other teams that are coming from the other conferences. They're playing strong out-of-conference top 10 opponents. And then, you know, their conferences, and then they go there and, as you know, um, the SEC plays one less conference game a year than all the other Power 5 schools because Week 12 is uh, high school week. Um, And I think that makes a huge difference 
in terms of healthiness and being able to play. Like, prime example, last year, oh, think about it. Ohio State had to play. Oh, they went to Penn State. It was like back-to-back-to-back weeks where we went somewhere. I don't remember where we went. We had to go somewhere that was like a top 25 opponent. Then we had to go to Penn State for a wideout and then play Michigan at home. And so it was just back-to-back-back gauntlet weeks. And it was all in like a 20-day span. It wasn't even like a full three weeks. And then you had like Georgia who played like Middle Tennessee week 12. And then they played – you know, an SEC conference game. And so they were fresher. I mean, it just, there's always those little advantages, I think. Um, but I think with the 12 team playoff, it, it de, de incentivized teams to schedule tougher because what's the point? You just go and schedule light, win your conference, and you're in. Yeah, what a great word there, by the way. De incentivize. I love it. Is that not it. a word? Not sure, if it's real, but not sure if it's real, but I appreciate it. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Uh, I yeah, think I mean, it's a word. I, it might be. I, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying. Um, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, to me, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to predict at the moment just, you know, how these non-conference schedules are going to shake out moving forward. I mean, to me, I'm going to guess that they'll continue to stay weak. I, I mean, because if you're, you know, just looking at the Big Ten specifically, right, you know, you've already got your, your elite teams. You've got Ohio State, you've got Penn State, you've got Michigan. Um, you know, then to go throwing in UC, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, who are all four elite teams at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, your regular season schedule is going to get harder. And again, I, I don't know what the divisions are, are going to look like, or even if they're. I don't think they're going to do a division. I think maybe right. initially they That's, will, but they, I don't think you can sure. in the long run. Yeah, and I don't know, but, you know, to be, to be honest, just regardless whether they have divisions or not, you know, the conference is getting so much stronger. Um, oh, it's a gauntlet. Yeah, I'm going to guess you're not going to want to go out and schedule, you know, some crazy good non-conference game when you've got a gauntlet of a regular season schedule. Um, that's just my opinion. I, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's kind of hard to predict at the moment, but um, – no, but yeah, I agree. To be like, honest, I, I kind of understand why you, you wouldn't want to schedule tough, you know? I don't know. Like, if you look at Penn State's schedule next year, I mean, they are getting absolutely railed. Like, they're getting railed. They're playing Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Oregon, UW, and US. It's either USC or UCLA. I mean, that's yeah. just BS. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. – I would. I'm surprised they're not complaining. Maybe it's just because of the money it'll bring in for the school. But overall, like, I would 100% be complaining if I were them. Um, but it really does. By the way, it's uh, disincentivizes the word. I had to Google it. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I was kind of close. Me. <laughs> I don't know. I like de-incentivizes better because it's. I kind of think it sounds better. Yeah. I thought so too. It rolls off the tongue well. <laughs> But, um, yeah, overall, it just – in the landscape of things. And even Michigan. Michigan plays a tough schedule finally next year, too. They they get a few of those West Coast teams. Actually, if I'm being 100% honest, when I look at, you know, those core elite teams, we have the easiest schedule next year compared to Michigan and Penn State. Whereas All right. All right. this year we obviously have the hardest schedule and – 
But it's about time because yeah. Michigan never has a tough schedule other than us and Penn State. Yeah, and we, uh, we by far just another point, you know, another point as far as strength just for us this year. We've we've definitely have the best uh you know, if we beat Penn State, we're definitely gonna have the best wins as far as uh you know, the top teams go. Um, so, yeah, if we, we beat Penn State, you beat Notre Dame, you know, like I said, it, if you get through Penn State, uh, I mean, to be honest, we might be looking at a guaranteed playoff spot whether we beat Michigan or not. I mean, that's kind of what I, I've heard from a lot of people, um, you know, talking about well, it. So, let's hope... we, we got to get through this game for sure. Well, I was talking to my dad about this yesterday. The one thing with Michigan – that gives us fits is their running backs. They're just so good. Like Corum and Edwards, they're both starters on any team in college football. I, I think Corum, honestly, he might be an NFL starter on some teams. And even with that Edwards, he's also like that tandem of running backs is what is and, – and they have a good defense too. Don't get me wrong. They have a good defense as well, that defensive front. Um. But I'm curious to see this year the reinvented Jim Knowles defense, how that's going to fare against them. And I think this upcoming week we'll get a good look at it because Michigan does run – or not Michigan, Jesus. Penn State does run the ball a lot. Penn State has a great defense. This is going to be a really good test for us in Big Ten play, I think. Uh, whereas, like, at least we've already been to, like, South Bend – played a night game, faced the adversity, whereas, like, Michigan, they haven't – they've been just on cruise control. They're literally – so I was looking it up today. In terms of record, their best win is against Rutgers. Yeah. Um, if you look at Georgia's best win, it's against Kentucky, who has two losses. Um, Florida State's best win – was against LSU, who also has two losses. Um, if you look at, uh, obviously, UW, they've got that great win against Oregon, but um, which was a home game, though, right? Top 10 matchup, home game. We had a top 10 matchup away game. Um, let's see, who's the other? Texas already lost. Oklahoma, like we talked about, I mean, they – I'm pretty sure they're basically on cruise control to at least the Big 12 championship. Yeah. And now I wonder, and I know we haven't even got to Ohio State yet, and we're already like 42 minutes deep. Um, I wonder, do you think with – if Oklahoma and Texas both make the Big 12 championship, which is highly likely, Oklahoma goes there undefeated and they suffer a close loss to Texas, do both yeah. Texas and Oklahoma get into the – playoff mm. god i don't know that's a that's a great question i i i don't know i i think it's um it would depend on who those other teams are you know right there at the end um but i i would say if it's a possibility i would say the only thing that's you know not in oklahoma's favor as far as that happening would be their strength of schedule Right, because I guess you know Texas has did lose to them, but they they did beat a, a, a top ranked Alabama team. So I don't know. I, I think it would come down to maybe strength of schedule at that point. So maybe I could see Oklahoma getting left out. I'm, I don't know. That'd be that'd be a tough one. And I mean, 
I just I know the committee would never do this ever. But let's say Georgia does not win the SEC championship and they drop a game before that. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure if they win if they lose one game, they're still gonna make the SEC championship game. And then oh, I yeah. think yeah. if Alabama wins out, they'll make the SEC championship game. Yeah, I think. Yeah, for sure. Because they, they got the head to head against Ole Miss, and that would mean Ole Miss would drop a game because they play against Georgia. Unless now here's a wild scenario. If, I don't know. I don't know if because Georgia does play Ole Miss, and if that's the game that they drop, then that makes. Do you think there's any way that an SEC team doesn't get in? I do. Or do you think yeah. just the almighty SEC no. is just guaranteed a spot with their SEC champion? No, I, I, I think I think it is more likely this year than ever um, because I, I think in the history of the playoff, there has never been any SEC team left out, right? There's always been at least one or two. I, I think this could be the year that we don't see an SEC team in. I mean, if Georgia happens to drop, you know, one of these remaining games on their schedule and, and, and um, you know, that I don't know, that alone right there could put them out just depending on how everything else shakes out. Um, yeah, I mean, what if, you know, if Georgia drops a game, um, to them or even loses an SEC, I, I think it's very likely that we don't see an SEC team in, you know, for that sure. Like possible, if Georgia, cause you could have a yeah, it, it, undefeated Georgia, big 10 champion, undefeated ACC champion, undefeated big 12 champion and an undefeated Pac-12 champ. Yeah. And then there's yeah, no, for sure. there's no, I don't know. Oh man. You would watch, that would be. Oh, I, I'm already getting mad thinking about it. Because <laughs> yeah, I could I, see I mean, them pulling some sort of, oh, well, you know, the SEC is the tougher. And it's like, okay, well, let's say Ohio State wins out, have... wins a Big Ten championship. Guaranteed it. I believe if Oklahoma wins out, Big 12 champion, they're guaranteed a spot. I also believe if Washington wins out, they're guaranteed a spot. And it would be very, very like I'm at this point actually in the where we're at. We're probably the number one team in the nation. Hello? Yeah, I hear you. You cut out for a second. Okay. So I think if Ohio State wins out, we're probably like Big Ten Championship at all, we're probably the number one team. Maybe unless Georgia wins out, but say we're saying this scenario, Georgia drops a regular season game and one of their five remaining games. If that's the case, then you'll have Ohio state or you could say the big 10 undefeated champion at number one, number two, more than likely would probably be the PAC 12 champion. If they're undefeated, so that'd be Washington. Right. Number three uh, I mean, they, they keep Florida State up there, so I, I don't know if they put Florida State up there or if they put Oklahoma. I think if you if both went out, that would mean Oklahoma beats Texas again. You'd have to put Oklahoma at least at three, if not two, honestly. And then you got Florida State versus the SEC champion, and if Florida State's undefeated, I don't know how you don't put them in. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, it's it's going to depend on the amount of undefeated teams is is going to be the biggest thing. And and um, 
Yeah, I mean, Florida State, I, I mean, they're they're tough just because their strength of schedule is not good. It, it's 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 pretty bad. Um, I, I'll be curious to see. I think in, in that ACC championship game, too, I mean, I, it's probably going to come down to them and North Carolina. And North Carolina can absolutely beat them. It would not surprise me one bit if, if UNC uh, actually came out of the ACC as the winner. Now, see, um, I do think UNC, it's a really long shot for them to get in the playoffs. Even if they went out and win their championship game, I feel like they got to have some other stuff go wrong in the college football scene for them to be able to. Uh, it's unfortunate, yeah. but it's just it's the way that they're looked at and evaluated because at the end of the day, they're looked at as a basketball school. And even though they haven't lived up to the basketball name in years, um, it's, it's yeah. definitely I, I, an interesting college football scene this year. And I think more so than ever, every single week matters. Yeah. It's going to be the last year that every single week matters, it feels like. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> you know? I mean, so, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I think whoever comes out of the, AC, the ACC, I think they have to be undefeated to have a chance to get in. I, I, don't, I, I don't think a one-loss ACC team is getting in just based on their strength of schedule and it's probably probably the same way with the big 12 i, I don't know just because they're uh, yeah but tough, if you it's a tough sled. I, I don't know obviously if georgia wins out we might and they win the sdc championship they're they're a shoe in they're the even though oh yeah even yeah. though like if ohio state wins out they will have beat three top 10 teams at that point yeah. and won the Big Ten will still be two. They'll leave Georgia at one because I don't know why. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm fine. Well, I mean, that is kind of a big difference, though, when it comes to, like, if you think about it last year, we could have, oh, man, I wish we would have played Michigan in the freaking playoffs. That would have been. <laughs> I, I know. I'm honestly, just for the ratings alone, that does show, I will say, that them not putting um, – Ohio State above TCU last year did show that they won't do it just for the TV ratings because we all know if Ohio State and Michigan would have played in the playoffs last year, it would have been the most watched game in college football history. Could you imagine, though, if they would have made it to the championship together? Oh, my God. Oh, that would have been. And maybe that's maybe that was like the secret hope. Kind of what they wanted. Yeah, yeah. They should know by now that Michigan might have beat Ohio State twice in the last seven years, but they can't win a playoff game. I don't know why. Like, and if you look back at that at TCU team, they should have piss pounded them, oh, and yeah. it wasn't even close. Yeah. So, but that's because their yep. championship is every year in November against Ohio State. Yeah, and that's go. the difference between us and them. We don't look at them as the championship. We just look at them as another team on the schedule. Yep. And I, I'm specifically I, yep, stating this, and I'm going to give a shout-out. So I actually had my buddy from the Navy message me, Jake Burns. He's a diehard Michigan fan. We used to watch every game with him, uh, Ohio State-Michigan game. And his entire time of being on the ship with us, he never once got to watch Michigan beat Ohio State. So uh, <laughs> in your face, Jake. And I know you're probably going to say, oh, host dude has a beat Michigan a thousand days. Well, it's because Michigan literally forfeited in 2020. Um, 
So just wanted to throw that shout out there to you. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, but let's let's uh, do you have any other additional college football field thoughts? Nah, we're we're gonna have to we're we're gonna have to table the uh the playoff discussion maybe oh, for a week or two. Just to, well and just so much that can happen. Yeah, it, it, well the great, great thing is is we're gonna have such great conversations and content all the weeks oh, yeah. leading up to the selection. Yep. It's gonna be I think it's gonna be phenomenal. I think is this upcoming week, the last week of the AP poll, or is there two more weeks of the AP poll? I can't remember if it's first week in November or last week of October that the first college football ranking comes out. Um, if you give me a second, I can uh, I can look that up. If you, I was gonna say you want to start talking on the Buckeyes, maybe, and then I'll, I'll look. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. So um, Ohio State plays on Peacock. Had to pay twelve effing dollars to watch <laughs> my team play. My biggest complaint that I had with Zach texting him back and forth uh, prior to the game is it's getting ridiculous these days trying to be able to watch American sports. You're having to go through like seven different streaming services. You got Prime, you got Peacock, you've got NFL Network, you've got, you know, cable, you got YouTube, you got, I mean, hell, it's just, it's ridiculous. They need to. They need to rein this in one way or another. Uh, but, yeah, Ohio State comes out, and they look exactly how they should for the first half. Played great. Um, honestly, we were down literally. Most people don't know this. Um, going into the game, we were at our third – I guess you could say second string running back. I would say Chip Tranum's our second string ahead of Mayan Williams. But either way, Mayan Williams, one of our running backs, out. Trevion Henderson, our best running back, out. Um, Emeka Abuka, our wide receiver two, who would be wide receiver one on any other team in the country, out. A uh, couple other key personnel on defense as well, out. And – we go out there. Uh, we don't run very well, which is not surprising because we literally had a wide receiver at running back because we lost our starting running back. Uh, what was it? Into the first quarter or the beginning of the second quarter that we lost him? Uh, something like that. Yeah. So we, we lose our starting running back. So and it looked like we lost him the second he got hit. It looked pretty nasty. I thought for sure he had a concussion right off the rip. Uh, which means we probably won't have him this week against Penn State. Probably, yeah. Um, I, I will say, uh, just uh, quickly, it's uh, the first rankings come out Tuesday, October 31st. So after week nine of play, it says, and then it'll be every Tuesday after that. So, yeah, October 31st is the first uh, first playoff. Okay, rankings. so not this – so people – we're going into week eight this week, so it'll be after next weekend. So literally yeah. this coming week will be the last meaningful-ish week of AP poll rankings when they come out on Sunday this week. Yeah, um, yeah correct. Okay. So, yeah, we – okay, Siri. Um, we – so we lose our running back, and that's that's something to keep up with too, I think – um, moving forward, going against Penn State, because Trip Trainum, he literally won us the game against Notre Dame. 
Um, so that's hopefully Trevion. I think he will come back and be, I think they sat him this week as a precautionary of, Hey, we don't want to re-aggravate anything. Um, yeah. we'll be able to, you know, get through this game. I think Emeka Buka was the same type of situation. Hey, we know you got like a low ankle sprain. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and rest you this week. We don't, we've got plenty of, excuse me, receivers, which we do. That's one, that's one area where we can afford to lose people. And, you know, anytime Marvin Harrison Jr. is out there starting anyways, we're, we're doing okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean that's that's the great thing about being a high state. I mean, you're you're deep at that skill position. I mean, and certainly never do you want to lose your top three running backs or top three receivers. You know, never ever want to do that. Um, but you know, we're we're in a good position if we do. Um, you know, I heck, Dallin Hayden. I mean, how many times did he save our butt last season? And then how good did he look? Um, you know, this week, I mean, sure, it was against Purdue, but, I mean, we've seen it last year. I mean, he's – I would be comfortable with him being the starter if we didn't have those other three guys, you know what I mean? I mean, we're we're, we're pretty well four deep at that position. And like you said, I, I think I think Henderson will be back. I think mine will be back. Chip, I don't know. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Most likely not. But, heck, even – you know, like I said, Dallin being that third guy, I'm comfortable with that. You got – you know, Xavier I would Johnson, rather see Dallin – uh, if Chip Tranum's not playing, I would rather see Dallin picking up those uh, second second oh. running back uh, carries than my my Williams. I hate I to say that. it, but yeah. he from last year to this year he put on more weight, and it wasn't <laughs> it was not muscle. <laughs> um, and he's just he's slow off the ball. He's not really he's not hitting the holes hard. Like at least last year, like he's in general just a heavier guy, right? He's got yeah. that like wrecking ball style of um, body type, but he's not hitting the holes hard because I don't think he has that burst, and maybe that's a little bit because of injury. I don't know. Um, but he's just not hitting the holes hard like he could. And Hayden is running the ball hard. I mean, you know, he he gets an opportunity, and he's like, yo, let me, let me take this. And I do have to give a shout-out to Xavier Johnson. Wide receiver, goes back and runs the ball with running back. He actually didn't look terrible. Oh no, and I mean he. I mean, if you remember, I mean he he took a lot of carries from out of the backfield last year too, just as sort of that, you know, he is that sort of Swiss Army knife. Curtis Samuel type of back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean he he can do both. You know what I mean? Like I mean he he is that Swiss Army knife uh, that that can you know mix in here and there, which you know I, I love about him. I mean, what a great story he is too, from you know being a walk on to being a a, a contributor. I mean, I, I love Xavier Johnson. Um, but yeah, then like you said, looking at the receiver positions too, man, it was it was great to see, uh, you know, Carnell Tate get a little action. I mean, he could step in and start on any team in the country. I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, I, I would love to, even if Mar Marvin and Emeka are healthy, I, I think he needs to be worked in a little bit more. Um, Brandon Ennis, man, fi another five star guy who, you know, probably isn't going to be much of a factor this year, but it was cool, get, you know, seeing him get a touchdown on his very first catch of his high state career. So um next year man yeah it's gonna be the carnell tate brandon ennis jj smith show and uh i, I can't wait to see it but uh but yeah i i, I think Emeka's is gonna be back i think henderson's gonna be back I, i'm gonna imagine you know we should be pretty well at full strength uh you know for penn state and uh we're gonna need to be so yeah i mean i you know one person that 
he gets involved every week at key moments, and I wish he got more involvement is Cade Stover. I've said this multiple times. I can't say it enough. I think he is so underrated and such a great tight end. He's very selfless, and he blocks extremely well, but he – he runs some great routes. He catches the ball really – he has really soft hands um, at the tight end position, and I feel like he catches the ball really well out in front of him, and I would love to see more plays drawn up for him. I mean, prime example, um, and when I say he shows up in key moments, I mean, you look at the uh, – not this past week, but the week before when we played Maryland, you know, the offense is struggling – we call up that play where he kind of sneaks out to the right-hand side of the field and he just catches that that pass and it just goes right into the end zone. And anytime he's getting the ball, I get so excited because he just, especially after he catches it, the dude stays trying to hurdle people and I'm pretty sure he couldn't hurdle my dog. So (laughs) it just – well, it's it's just you know he's not a he's not a high jumper, but it's hilarious, and he doesn't care though. He literally just gets it, and he he's got that big elbow brace, right? Almost like Rob, Rob Gronkowski esque yeah. out there. Yeah, and I I love it, man. I love it. I can't get enough of Cade Silver. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Good old, good old farm boy. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Now I do have to. Oh, where do I want to – okay, before I get to where I was about to go, because I, I won't forget that, I also think due to our running back situation, Ryan Day, as we were talking about, threw that wrinkle in this past week in the red zone down in goal-to-go wow. situations, bringing yep. out Devin Brown, 33, which I still can't get over the fact that if we have a quarterback that literally wears the number 33, it's like <laughs> – it's almost embarrassing, honestly, but <laughs> so, but yeah, I no, think people I... forget though, that he's a quarterback because he wears 33. <laughs> like I'm not even right. like, I feel like there's some like tactic to that. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I agree. I, I like it too. I really do. Just because, I mean, it, it, it's a double positive there because, um, you know, number one, our, our offense has struggled a little bit in the red zone. So, you know, it was a good way to try to spark our red zone offense a little bit. You know, um, that play we've seen so many freaking times with, you know, back to the urban days with Tebow and and with Braxton and with JT Barrett and stuff. So it is nice to have somebody, you know, who can do that. Um, But also, like like I texted you live, I mean, a lot of fans were happy to see it, including myself. I mean, I'm, I'm glad he got in there, but let's make no mistake. I mean, day was not just, um, you know, doing that out of the kindness of his heart. Like, Oh, I really want to get Devin some touches. Um, that was a hundred percent to make Penn state prepare for it. And it's for that reason that I would not be surprised if we didn't run it one single time against Penn state. Um, you know, because that's just one of those things that you see offenses do the week before they're getting ready to play a big game. They come out showing all kind of brand new stuff breaking tendencies just to drive the other team crazy and make them prepare for stuff, you know, spend time, you know, wasting time on packages that they're probably not even going to do in the game. Right. It's just part of that, uh, part of that chess match of, of play calling and, and, uh, and coaching and stuff. So um, yeah, I I don't know. We might see it next week. We might not. um, But uh, I'm going to guess we'll probably, 
probably not. We'll probably see a, some more new stuff next week. You know, I, I'll be curious to see what were we saving for Penn State because there's always you always come out, you break those tendencies and uh, give some different looks and uh, some stuff you haven't shown on film yet. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see some some different play calling by Ryan Ryan Day this week for sure. I definitely think the playbook's going to be wide open. I don't think. Obviously, so far this year, we've been slowly opening it more and more. We opened it pretty pretty far, trying to get, you know, making sure we secure that win against Notre Dame. And then we kind of tighten it up a little bit with some of these games that we know we should win. Um, but I think this week, nothing's off the table. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to come out and do, you know, uh, a reverse pass. I don't, I can't remember the last time I've seen <laughs> Ohio State even throw a ball with anybody other than the quarterback. Oh, my God. Al- Alabama. The Alabama game when Evan Spencer threw that ball to Mike Thomas. Remember that absolute right, That's That's what I mean. It's it's yeah, that. It's been that long. We yeah, just don't yeah, – sure. we don't do trick plays like that. We don't do flea flickers. Like, we just <laughs> – right. we've never – even under Urban Meyer, like, we just never did that. Like, the only thing that you might see like, – I don't even know if we – I don't even think we did the jump pass with anybody. No. No, we man. Just, how we cool just would, don't how, do for. How ahead. cool would it be to see to, How cool would it be to see Devin Brown break that out, though? I mean, it's. <laughs> I don't think it's likely to happen, but it could. Right, it could it easily be- that could easily be a thing where Penn State's prepped for him to run it, and then oh look at that! There's Cade Stover just leaked right out the back and uh, wide open in the end zone. Oh, let's I mean, mark it down. It's gonna happen. Let's let's speak it into existence. I hope that it happens. But I do think this week, like I say, I don't think any play call is off the table. We're going to do anything and everything to make sure we win the game. And it's not to say that the other games that we don't do what we can to win the game. But as you talk about, you have certain looks that you give in the season that you know that like, hey, we're we're going to give this look time and time again because it's just part of our bread and butter offense, regardless of who we're playing. But then there's those special drawn up plays. Um, prime example, I think, honestly, that play against Maryland where we did throw um, throw the ball to Cade Stover and he was wide open. I don't think Ohio State wanted to give that play out yet. That was the first time and only time that we've ran it all season where the entire team, all the receivers flood to the left side. And we ran it on the short side of the field as well. And um, McCord did a great job selling the fake on that because it was a, uh, a play action. And, and even the run for the play action was to the left side. I, think, I don't think we were ready to give that out, but I think because our offense was struggling that game, I think we had to. You know what I mean? I don't think had the game been going differently, I don't think we call that play. But from yeah, my – Some kind of spark. Exactly. And, and that, that's what that's what I mean by opening up the playbook. You're calling some of these plays that they don't have on film. They just there's not right. film about it. Or if there is, it might be from like two years ago. And odds are they're probably not watching film from two years ago because that was uh, a whole different team. So and that's the interesting thing yeah. about college. It's not like the pros were most depending on, you know, the course, typically the same. Um I do have to bring this up, though, now that we talked about Devin Brown. Um, So we got into the mid-third – so we came out in the third quarter, opened up the drive, touchdown. Great. 
And then we kind of went flat. I think we got into the uh, just the motions of, okay, we're going to win this game. Um, kind of lackadaisical. I did not like how after that first drive in the third quarter, I felt like McCord got really lazy in the pocket. He stopped moving around in the pocket, and it seemed like he kind of just didn't have like a feel for – and I know he's still trying to develop that, obviously, being that he's still – a new starter, even though we're at like week seven last week. Uh, but technically it's still only his sixth game as a starter. So, um, but there was a two or three different possessions there where he just did not have any pocket awareness whatsoever. And it kind of surprised you a little bit. Um, obviously we had the one play there where he had the fumble and I mean, he held the ball for three, four seconds before he got hit. So it's like, where's that internal timer? And like I said, maybe that's just kind of that uh, lackadaisical, we're going to win the game. So everything's going to be easy at this point on. They're just going to roll over. Uh, And then I thought after that fumble, he would tighten up again. And he didn't. Though The very next possession, he almost had another fumble. Uh, So I just didn't like that. Honestly, for me, and I'll tell you what I did love is when Devin Brown came in and threw the absolute bomb of a touchdown pass. And was that the Ennis guy that you were talking about? Yeah, Brandon Ennis. Yep. He hit him. I mean, I want to say the ball was probably in the air for like probably like 40 yards or so. He hit him on the numbers in stride. I mean, it was and I think granted, obviously, very light to no pressure situation for Devin Brown. But I think it gave us a little glimpse of what he can do. And so I love seeing that like that. I think, I mean, that was such a, a greatly thrown ball. The route was great. The timing was perfect. I mean, I was just really excited when I saw that personally, but what are your uh, thoughts with like the whole, McCord kind of getting careless with the ball in the third quarter into the fourth quarter uh, before, you know, obviously we benched the whole team. Uh, Did you get any like negative vibes from that? Or do you think it was literally just the whole, all right, you know, we're just kind of folding over at this point because we're going to win the game. Yeah. I I mean, uh, I guess at that point, you know, you know, the game was pretty out of hand. So, you know, those moments aren't as um, aren't as big of a headache, but you know, those are things that, you know, you come back to bite you uh, against good teams. So uh, to me, that was a lot more, um, a lot more on the offensive line than it was him. You know, he's got to, like you said, he has to have that internal clock of, you know, feeling the pressure and, and getting rid of it. But um just a stupid, you know, one of those bonehead plays. Like I said, you know, being a young quarterback, he's going to have a couple of those bonehead plays um, every same game, every game. And like you said, I think that one point where our offense kind of stalled out a little bit, not that, you know, weather should ever be an excuse, but, you know, I, I think the rain was coming down pretty good there for, for maybe about a quarter. And, you know, that does tend to, um, you know, slow things down as far as passing game and, and uh, you know, efficiency and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was just one of those things where, you know, we had it under wraps. It was raining a little bit. You know, things looked a little messy there for uh, for a couple – a drive or two. But, um, you know, overall I thought McCord looked looked pretty good. Uh, I, I think the, the defense looked pretty good. 
Um, I mean, I, I think, like you said, too, one thing about McCord going into the, the Penn State game is at least at least he's been battle tested. You know, I mean, I will say that's probably where he has, you know, in the quarterback matchup, you know, both both young guys, both first year starters. But, um, you know, at least McCord has the edge up and, and being battle tested and having that big win, you know, on the road against a, a top 10 team where, you know, Drew Aller doesn't have that. So, um, you know, I, I think that's definitely a big a big advantage for High State along with home field and, you know, all the other stuff. But, um, yeah. So you mean to tell me that Sean Clifford's no longer the quarterback at Penn State? Yeah, those his, his 12 years of eligibility are up. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly – I was actually talking to my dad about that the other day, and we were thinking that he honestly is probably one of the things that's kind of been holding their program back a little bit because yeah, he, was he wasn't great. Like, yeah, he was loyal to the program, but – Overall, that's kind of like uh, I looked at him. I mean, in his best season, he was probably like JT Barrett's worst season where <laughs> where we knew like, all right, it's, you know, this year it's JT's time. Like he's um, and obviously that was the same year that JT came out and threw, I think, only one incompletion and it was against Penn State and it was literally probably his best college game that I'd ever seen him play in my opinion. Um, that was, I don't know how many years ago. This probably would have been 2017. I think actually. Are you That's talking exactly about, the, what it was. You talk when, about the comeback game? Yes. JT oh, Barrett, literally it was, was the there. best that he's ever played in his, in my opinion, obviously he's had better number games, but he literally like, well, in terms of yards and touchdowns, Let's refrain that because his completion rating was literally like, I think he was, uh, was he 17 of 18 or 19 of 20? Uh, he only second, had one. In, in the second uh, half, I, I believe. Yeah. I, I think the first half was a, a little bit of a struggle, but the second half was absolutely the best half of any quarterback in Ohio State history, probably. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because that was when, remember, they, they, they ran the opening kickoff back and then they scored again and went up 14 nothing. I was there. I, I was in. There you go, for, dude. I pulled it up. Um, Just... I, I, amazing. I, I mean, the, probably one of the top three probably best games ever played in the shoe. And and uh, me and my pregnant wife at the time and uh, our buddy Marcus, we were at that game, stormed the field after the game. Absolutely one of the best nights of my life. I mean, that was, that was amazing. So, I got you here, dude. Ohio State, they won 38 to 39. This was October 28, 2017. It was 2017. He yep. was 33 of 39. So I was way off. 328 wow. yards, four touchdowns, and he had 95 rushing yards on 17 carries. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know the stat. I think the stat. You and were here's about the crazy where, part I think he Three, only had one incompletion. Yes, one incompletion in the second half. Three of the incompletions that he had were drop passes. So it should have been 36 of 39. They were complete in the hands, drop passes. Um, Somebody said that it was one of the most impressive performances they've ever seen by a college quarterback in one game, which I fully agree. He, in my opinion, single-handedly with his leadership – won us that game and obviously with his you know performance 
But uh, I had to bring oh, yeah. that up because we're pe- playing Penn State. And, I mean, year in and year out against Penn State, it's there's only been a couple of seasons where we just thrashed them. But for the most part, yeah. it's normally pretty close games. Uh, I'm really hoping, like – and obviously we hope for this every week, but more so this week and when we play, especially at Michigan too, that we come out hot. I don't uh, nothing's yeah. more frustrating than when we come out flat and I'm hoping with everybody getting proper rest last week and I mean we sat all of our starters the entire fourth quarter of last week. So I'm really hoping that they come out focused and Day has them ready to go, and um, it's you know I was talking to my dad about this um, earlier this week. Was it earlier this week? It's only Tuesday. Last week, um, normally, like last year, going we're going to play Penn State. Even at Penn State, I was like, oh yeah, we got this, no big deal. You know, Stroud's going to go up there, he's going to do his thing, and. Uh, this year, just with the way college football is so open across the board, I don't feel great going into any game. You know, I mean, I knew like even when I was texting you, I was like, you know, you're like, yeah, we should beat, you know, Purdue handedly. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, they always give us they give us fits and Iowa gives us fits. Like I just I haven't had that resounding feeling of like, oh, yeah, we're going to other than obviously like the shit teams that we play after week one, but you know what I mean? I just haven't gotten that feeling this year. And I don't know if it's just, like I said, I think it's the, just the overall college landscape and how the field is this year and how it's so wide open. And I I don't know. I You would think after we beat Notre Dame that I would have been like, all right, yeah. But then when we played Maryland, it's like, oh, man, like the defense literally won us that game, which is great because last year the defense did not win us any games. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I think to me, I think I think Ohio State's going to win this game. I, I really do. I think it's going to be close. I don't think, you know, obviously it's not going to be a blowout. I, I, I just think – the advantage that Ohio State has is obviously home field, and I think that strength of schedule and just the fact that we've been battle-tested, I think that's what's going to, you know, pull us through in, in the end. I think, you know, while it's not much, uh, much more, but, um, you know, I think Kyle McCord has slightly more experience than Drew Aller. I, I think, you know, their, while their defense – I mean, and frankly, almost every – statistical category Penn State is better than us um but also their schedule has been horrible horrible they might have had the easiest schedule through the first six games of any other I don't know Michigan's up there too and I'm I'm talking that's over that's over Michigan and Georgia I mean UMass Northwestern Iowa Illinois Delaware have been their last five games I'm not sure who the first game was but it's as bad as anybody I've seen and um like I said I just think our experience that we've gained by you know, going to Indiana, Indiana on the road, you know, playing at Notre Dame, playing against Maryland through some adversity. Um, I, I think that, you know, along with being at home, I, I think that's going to pull us through in the end. Yeah. Okay. So here's uh, because, you know, I care about this. Do you think so if Ohio State comes out and say we just thump 
Penn State. I'm talking three scores or more. You think we move up to number one in the rankings? No. I don't think so either. I think they're going to leave our fat asses back at freaking three regardless. I, I could see. I could see them moving us above Michigan. I really could, just because we have two top ten wins, and, and they don't. I, I I could see us moving them, moving us above them, just based on our on our wins. Um, but I don't think they would jump us above Georgia. No shot. I don't know why though, because they haven't played it, and that's that's one of the yeah, things I, with yeah, college football that. though that does drive me nuts is with the the SEC teams like Georgia, for example. Their team is not the same team that was there last year, but they get that no. last year – I don't want to say bias. Bias isn't the word. They get that Benefit last year. Like, right, they're like, oh, well, you know, yeah. last year they, w- they won the championship. They got to get beat before the yada, yada, yada. But like Ohio State, we came in the year – I think we were ranked like, what, sixth or so? And yeah. they're like, oh, well, you know, even though we literally should have beat Georgia – which we, if we would have beat Georgia in the playoff semifinals, I bet we would have beat TCU by three touchdowns or more. A hundred percent. I have yeah. no doubt. Like we, we absolutely would have. And we come into the season and they're like, eh, we're going to put you at six because you guys lost your quarterback, which I mean, I get that, but we don't get like, I just don't see other teams getting that benefit of the doubt. Like the SEC, like Alabama every year, they're ranked in the top four at the start of the season because they're Alabama. Not because of who their current team is. They just go, oh, well, you know, they're Alabama. Even if this year, like, say if they drop another game, guarantee you go into next season, they're in the top four or top five. Yeah. Drives me nuts. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you know, just based on, you know, I don't know, on on their history, on their head coach, you know, on their recruiting classes, I mean, yeah, but yeah, we're be... we're top three in recruiting almost every year. Some years we're even top. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but did you have any um, additionals to go with the uh, Ohio State? Um, not really. Not anything about the game. Like I said, you know, as far as this week goes, I I think Buckeyes will pull it out in the end. Um, but. Just to go back a little quick, little personal personal narrative, uh, talking about JT Barrett, I just want to – I mean, I have to, you know, give a shout-out to, to him, I guess, because we uh, we actually met him. Um, funny enough, it was it was uh, Black Friday of last year, the night before the Michigan game. Um, our buddy Marcus and I, we went to the Michigan game, you know, as, sadly, as sad as that is. Um, but the night before, we went to uh, Polaris Mall in Columbus, Ohio, and we actually ran into JT Barrett. Um, and his girlfriend and um, he was I just have to say he was just the nicest guy he was so super cool Did you guys um, fangirl him super humble down to earth no I mean we tried to we tried to play it cool but oh uh, uh, you probably sounded like schoolgirls. no it was it was <laughs> no it was just, it was just neat though because you know normally you know we were just like hey can we get a picture with you and you know we just thought it was going to be like, hey, cheese, nice to meet you and walk away but I mean he literally stood there and talked to us for like five minutes and I mean, we just, you know, we just asked for a photo. I mean, like, hey, man, you know, nice to meet you. We're big fans. You know, we told him we were at that Penn State game and, you know, how much, you know, how much we loved his career and everything. And, and, you know, we were expecting just to, you know, a quick like 30 second interaction. He stood there and just talked and talked and talked to us. And I, I don't know. I just thought that was really cool because, you know, you know, he gets talked to a lot, you know, I, I'm sure. Oh, and, yeah. uh, 
I mean, it was neat. You know, we stood there and talked a good five minutes, talked about like what he's doing now. You know, he was coaching with the Detroit Lions and stuff and kind of what his future plans for, you know, he hopes to go into coaching and stuff. So it was super neat, super neat interaction. Uh, I, I always said too, I think his girlfriend the whole time, like he's standing there talking to us with his arms crossed, like looking like we're just best friends. Like he, he could stand there and talk all day. And then his girlfriend is standing in the back, just looking like super annoyed. <laughs> She's so right. Cause it like, happens all the time. <laughs> I told Marcus, I'm like, dude, if his girlfriend wasn't there, we would have been like, you know, I don't know, down at the cheesecake factory having drinks with him or something. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we, <laughs> it was cool. It, it, it was, just, it, it was cool. Like, I don't know. He, he was just a super cool guy, super humble, super, super friendly. And, uh, I'll never forget that interaction. So, yeah, screw you, JT Barrett's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say, I don't think the Cheesecake Factory would be the first person or first place that comes to my mind for drinks. But, you know, if you're trying to get boozy with it, then... <laughs> it's just right there. That was the first place that came on my mind. It's just you, right there. You do you, happens. man. You do you. It's fine. <laughs> You guys get you a little sliver of cheesecake with your wine. <laughs> Although he might look, he looks like he probably drinks some fine wine. So maybe, maybe that's, I honestly don't know what kind of drinks the Cheesecake Factory sells though. So I don't know. I've only been there once. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you said it. You're like, oh, this is fancy. I'm going to get his ass there. Oh, <laughs> like shoot. I said, it's just right there next to the mall. It was just the first thing to pop in my head. I don't know. Oh, that's that's gold right there. Uh, he'll probably, I mean, I would imagine he if he's not like doing some coaching things, he might be in attendance there uh, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think he's still with Detroit. He's like a, I don't know, some sort of assistant coach with uh, with the Detroit Lions. Last I checked. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. He's well, there. we all know. I mean, I don't know if you know. I'm sure you know that big noon kickoff is going to be at uh, Ohio State on Saturday, and I already, like, I know this. At any point in the game, if the Buckeyes are struggling, any given moment, they're going to be like, yep, there's Urban Meyer watching on. Stop. <laughs> Stop. You know it's coming if it if it happens. they. Although he did just come out this past uh, week, and he not only did he put the Michigan State coaching rumors to bed he actually put coaching college period uh he just said he has no desire and um he's just he's not going to get back into coaching again and i do believe that i know he said that before a time or two in his career but i actually do believe that with he's got a well he's got a great gig with fox and big new kickoff and those guys on there. And then also just the way that, you know, he was treated when he was leaving Ohio State. And uh, I think, I, I mean, I said at that time, I said when he left for Jacksonville, I said he'll never coach college football again. Um, yeah. No, I don't think so. So right. it's going to be a, a big week coming up, dude. I'm looking forward. Maybe we'll actually be able to do the recording on Sunday. I hope and so. then I hope so. get That's the episode out on Monday. But I, I honestly, I didn't even reach out to you yesterday. I was so busy. And then I text you today, and you're like, 
<laughs> yeah, you said you said uh, what you know. When do you want to record, or when would be the best time to record, or something? I said uh, Sunday or Monday. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty. Uh, things are a lot, a lot lighter this week. I mean, the last couple of weeks I was super busy, but um, this week's not as bad. So I was able to fit you in. That's good, dude. I know you had uh, Joe Rogan, and then I heard you were going to do. Uh... Oh, another podcast with like uh, Logan Paul. You were going to go on his live show, so I just had to had to get penciled in at some point. Yeah, you're lucky. Now, what we need to do at some point also that we still have not done is that that podcast teacher edition, dude. We need to yeah. We need to get that recorded. I've been wanting to do it for last few weeks. I haven't told you that, so I guess you're just not finding yeah. that out. But no, I also yeah. know that you've been super busy because we've been struggling to get the Ohio State content. So I know if we're struggling to get that. We're going to not get the teacher content. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I, I'll I, be honest. I'm super – I mean, I'm, I love talking football, but I'm very, very, very excited to uh, record that episode too. And I'm pretty sure uh, – Katie with a few things that uh has happened recently with her uh she's got some stuff she wants to get off her chest so really Ooh, episode, and so but... the thing is so what I can actually do I don't know I'll have to figure out uh we'd have to try it but we could probably uh well you guys probably have to get a babysitter for the boys to be able to all three <laughs> of us record um yeah. or you could just have chaos in the background uh to avoid <laughs> there being like a feedback loop Cause if you're in the same room, unless you're oh, on like yeah. the same, cause I'm assuming, do you use your headphones whenever you go downstairs? Nope. I'm just on my phone. Oh, okay. So I walk around with my headphones on. I got my mic attached to my hat. I finally figured out a good uh, location for it that I don't sound like I'm swallowing my microphone as I talk. Although a couple of times I go, Oh, Zach. It, like I can hear that it muffles. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we can, uh, the three of us, because Kate had reached out to me about it. And she's like, oh, I could do, you know, I'm like, the three of us could record an episode. Like, we could literally do a uh, a two or three parter, right? It might be one of those where we sit down and talk for like two hours plus, but I can divide it up into two or three episodes. That way we, you know, don't lose the viewership on, all right, they're talking for four hours. We're not going to listen. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, like you said, we'll have to we'll have to um, you know make time that the you know I don't know the kids can go stay at my mom's house or something. But um, I, I would say at the very latest, you know, we'll try to squeeze it in before then. Maybe like you know we'll have like five or six days off for like Thanksgiving break. So you know maybe during that Ooh, week yeah. would, would would be a good time. Um, if not, you know late you know we could always wait till the regular season's over. Like you know I, I guess in, in December there like bowl prep season. You know we won't have as many games to be talking about there for maybe two or three weeks. So uh, at the very latest, you know, maybe then, but like I said, hopefully maybe we'll, maybe we'll aim for uh, Thanksgiving break week. Well, the tough part to also that I have to work into my scheduling with you now is your handyman services that you provide. I didn't realize hey. that you were, uh, you were doing yeah. that. I didn't know that you were hanging TVs for a living as a side hustle. So Oh, bro, uh, your dad, your dad lucked out, man. He called the right guy for the job because I have experience replacing TVs here in the past year. <laughs> or so 
<laughs> my uh, my two year old at the time actually threw a uh, big old giant plastic Thor hammer through our uh, eight hundred dollar TV. Just uh, like I said, a little over a year ago, maybe. So he called the right guy for the job, man. I got that. I got that uh, TV replacement experience on lockdown. So yeah, he was he's lucky to. Well, and I asked him. I was like, why don't you just uh, why don't you just do it yourself? And he's like, oh well. Uh, I was like, it's literally. I forgot that I am a large human. Um, so like, cause all of our TVs that we hung in our house, like I've done, I did them all by myself. I didn't have any help. I just, you know, figured out the height and then put the mount up there, made sure it's level, do my holes, all that. But also, you know, I'm like Campbell's chunky suit. So, and my dad is not, he's like, tomato bisque because <laughs> <laughs> oh i asked her, i was like why don't you just what pick up comparison. the tv i was like why don't you just pick up the tv you know the tvs are light as hell now like my tv that i got from 2016 it was the first uh like when they first came out with current 4k we bought one of those so obviously we overpaid for it um and it weighs like 75 pounds it's heavy as shit it might as well have the big tube in the back how heavy it is but nowadays like all the other tvs that we bought like you know that we put in the weight room and stuff like that like i can literally hold it up with one hand as i'm like hanging it so but he's like my arms aren't long enough <laughs> i was like all right you t-rex <laughs> It is a very, it was a very, very large TV. Uh, like you said, it's not, wasn't heavy, but very, very wide and, uh, and just awkward, you know, trying to move it down on the, on the brackets and stuff. So well, yeah, I, he took said, I took Tom over with me too. Just to yeah, that's what he said. That's what he said. He said, yeah, I got him over. So when you got him done, supervise him? Like pretty much, pretty much. We don't, yeah. we don't need to get him injured over here. Mountain the TV. <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah, just, I will tell you, um, and this is just me basically shooting the shit with you at this point, even though we're recording and going to send this out to the world. So in my house, <laughs> I have a wall standing mirror that's probably, I think it's six feet tall. Yeah, it's probably six foot. Actually, no, I lied. It's probably like six, four. It's taller than I am by a couple inches. And it's probably like a good four foot wide. My dog's knocked it over and it oh. fell on its face on our hardwood floor tell me why i picked that sob up and there's not even a crack on it right not oh, even wow. a crack or a scratch so i'm thinking holy crap like and it's not cheap like it's quality right so it's obviously in a pretty good case and i'm thinking i hit the lottery the very next day i'm outside <laughs> doing yard work Weed eater throws a rock and I shatter my sliding glass door window. <laughs> oh, what great luck. Here I was. I went from uh, uh, peak straight to the valley. <laughs> wow. So that's just, that's, that's another normal day in my life, honestly. That, that kind of stuff happens to me all the time. I've got pretty bad luck. Um, but yeah, overall, um, I appreciate you making out, uh, making some time out of your day here. It's weird that it's only four thirty my time, and I'm gonna wrap this up and be able to have like you know ten or fifteen minutes before I need to start cooking dinner. 
Yeah, I got to go eat my dinner. It's very well cold at this point, but it's all good. Well, you better put that thing in the the microwave or a toaster oven if you got one. Yeah, boy. Heat that up. All right, dude. Well, I do appreciate you again coming on. Uh, Another great episode talking college football landscape. I actually kind of like that we dove into the previous, like all the other games before we hit Ohio State, only because – I feel like we gave it its due justice, whereas normally, like, we'll go 75 minutes of Ohio State and be like, oh, crap, we got to hurry up and talk about the other stuff. Uh, But next week, I imagine next week is going to be the opposite. We are going to start with Ohio State, and hopefully, hopefully it is a positive, positive, uplifting podcast because Ohio State takes the W. Let's hope. It better be. So, only way that I can end this week is – Go Bucks and OH. I hope.